Hi guys, Catherine here. I am still recording from my bedroom closet, but now that Boston is starting to reopen, we thought it was as good a time as any to start a new season. So I still really miss Molly and can't wait to be back in the studio with her. And of course, we are all somewhat apprehensive um, about this next phase of entering the new normal, but we're also really excited and really optimistic uh, and happy that Boston restaurants are starting to reopen. So we will still be talking to chefs and restaurant owners um, and getting their take on everything that's happening and hearing reports from their restaurants, and I hope that you'll join us. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Tony Maz and Bessie King from Massachusetts Restaurants United. And this is a group of independent restaurant professionals who have formed a coalition in order to advocate and lobby for restaurants in Massachusetts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear how we can help them, what they're trying to accomplish, and what their plans are moving forward for trying to keep restaurants afloat during this really difficult time. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about Life Alive. There are several locations now, but I have been going to the Cambridge location for many years. They were kind of the OG grain bowl smoothie place in the Boston area. And I just love anything with their Nama Shoyu sauce, including the Adventure Bowl or any of their tasty smoothies or juices. And the good news is they're now offering meal plans to help us eat a little bit healthier during quarantine and stay well. And for TFL listeners, you can get 15% off any one of their meal plans. So these are mix and match. You can have dessert if you want to. There's entrees and sides. Take your pick and head over to lifealive.com. Enter promo code TFL15 at checkout and that will give you 15% off your order. That's lifealive.com. Enter promo code TFL15. Uh, I'm here with Bessie King and Tony Maz. And I want to talk about the work that you guys have been doing with um, Mass Restaurants United. For people who are not familiar um, with the organization, let's start with Bessie and then Tony. Just give us a brief overview of who you are, uh, what you do, and why you're, you got involved. And then we can kind of dig into the work that you guys are doing and what, what you're hoping to accomplish. Certainly. So thank you for having us today. Um, well, uh, my name is Bessie King. I manage my family's business, Villa Mexico Cafe. We're located in the financial district here in Boston. And our business has been in operation for 20 years. It was founded by my mom. Um, and we started in the suburbs. And then we came to Boston pretty much 10 years ago at this point. We were first in the Beacon Hill gas station shop, and we came to be known as the gas station burritos. And then when we were kicked out of that location because of redevelopment, we found our home here in the financial district. So when the pandemic began, um, my mom is, you know, well known in our Hispanic community and small business women owner community. So we didn't close. Uh, naively, we thought we were going to go through this in three weeks and continue to be, be business as usual. Um, but when it was taking longer and longer, people started calling my mom, you know, in our Hispanic community and saying, what are you doing? Are you staying open? How are you managing this? Whatever. And the two of us essentially realized that we needed resources for our communities. Like these people that are uh, small business owners, minority owners, a lot of them speak uh, English, but not fluently enough, or they don't have resources available to them. So I, I told my mom, you know, we need to, to band together because who's going to help us if this takes longer? At that point, we were just finishing March and starting April. So I started just calling uh, 
our friends in the food industry with my mom's help, and we essentially started trying to put together a little group. And through those calls, um, an industry friend told me of Jody Adams and her group, Mass Restaurants United, which she began with Tony because they were in the uh, timeout market. And they wanted to, uh, you know, band together essentially as well. And I just sent Jody an email and say, why reinvent the wheel? You know, I have this small group of minority owners. Can we join you? Because we need to get help for us, for us independent local small business restaurant owners. Um, and essentially they said, yeah, come on in. So that's how I and in, in our group of, um, you know, Spanish speaking folk came to the MRU. Great. And, and Tony, tell us about, you know, how the whole thing got started. And for people who aren't, maybe haven't had your delicious burgers and eaten at all your fabulous restaurants over the years. I mean, uh, <laughs> who are you anyways, Tony Maz? Who am I? That's the, that's the question I've been asking myself a lot lately. Um, so, well, I'm Tony Maz. I'm the chef and owner of Craig Yamane in, in Central Square, Cambridge. And, and the, now, the now defunct uh, Craigie Burger, which was in the timeout market. But we decided to... Um, not return to the timeout market for now. Hopefully, we, we look forward to having Craigie Burger again sometime soon, but not right now. Um, we, uh, you know, like, like Bessie said, we, one, one of the cool things about being in the market is that I got to see some people uh, that I know and love and respect so much, other chefs and operators, uh, pretty much daily because we were all in the same venue. And, you know, we, we, we've been talking about industry-wide you know, issues and problems and other even good things, you know, in, in our time there. But as, as the COVID crisis really began to percolate and it became clear to us, this is before any closure, that uh, this was going to be something dramatic. And obviously we didn't have a very clear picture about what that meant, but it was going to be something devastating. Um, we began just asking a lot of questions. A lot of those questions began just what we were asking of timeout market themselves. They were our landlord and we wanted to have a better idea of what their plan, but, but, but those questions became relevant to, I think all of our restaurants. And then we quickly realized that not just our restaurants, but they were going to become relevant to all restaurants. And, um, we wrote a letter, um, John Mendez, who is one of Jody's partners, in all of our restaurants, uh, John and I wrote a letter to the governor, and uh, we ha- we sent out a, an email and asked some people to spread the word. And with literally within days, like two, we had over 500 signatures uh, of restaurants of all different shapes and sizes. People who were looking for um, answers to their questions, and there were so many. I mean, there still are myriad, myriad questions, but, but the, you know, no one knew what was going on, and I guess we sort of felt that we were in a position to help people, to help, you know, not just um, the restaurants that you've heard of, but every single mom and pop uh, in the Commonwealth on every Main Street, not just the Craigie on Main Street, but, the, but you know, every single one. And, 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 you know, the MRA obviously exists, and they do... Um, a very good I'm job. Sorry, that's the national. That's the national. No, no, no. There's, uh, well, there's the N. There's the N as in national, and then there's the M as in Massachusetts. And okay. the Massachusetts right. Restaurant Association um, obviously is doing a lot of work, um, but but they're they're t- they're trending more towards things that apply to all restaurants. And what we really saw, the MRU 
the Mass Restaurants United Coalition uh, being able to do is to really focus on the small independent restaurants. Um, we don't have a very clear definition even of what that means, but I think it's one of those things when you, you smell it, you know it. And, you know, that's, um, uh, you know, when we were introduced to Bessie, who's just a, a powerhouse, you know, we, we quickly realized that she was going to be a huge advocate and we wanted to, you know, get her on our team. So Bessie's now part of our leadership uh, team. We meet regularly via Zoom. And, uh, you know, the, the coalition itself has really grown and expanded and not just in terms of numbers, but we now have a voice, a very strong and powerful voice. Um, we represent the IRC, which is, which is the national group. So, you know, we're sort of like their mass arm, so to speak. Um, and is that, the, is that what Colicchio is yep. kind of like the face of? Yep, yep. exactly. Okay. So that's yeah, the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Um, and they're doing tremendous work. And what, they focus more on the federal level or pretty much solely on the federal level. And obviously, we're very concerned about all that as well. But we also had to divide and conquer and figured, okay, cool, there's some tremendous people, not just the names you've heard of, but behind-the-scenes people. They have um, some lobbyists and some advocacy firms that are working with them. Um, and they've made you know, huge strides. So when, when they need to get the word out in, within Massachusetts, we're here for them. When they say jump, we say how high, totally. But on a local level, because there's so many different um, so many different issues. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, no federal bill is going to solve any problem. And we don't even have a federal bill yet. That's still being right. debated, which is absurd, but that's just where we are. Sorry, I just want to stop you for one second. So thinking about, you know, you've, you've touched on a lot of different things. And yeah. one of the things is that there's all kinds of restaurants involved. And yep. Bessie, I mean, I've heard, I've, I've yet to visit your restaurant. I'm, I'm excited to, I've heard you described as a powerhouse, as a person who gets things done. I just keep hearing wonderful things. Um, but also, you know, you, you said that you started out at, in a gas station selling burritos. So you've seen kind of a specific arc of restaurants, and it seems like you'd have a pretty interesting perspective. I'm curious, uh, the needs of, you know, smaller, I don't want to say scrappier, but yeah, smaller, scrappier restaurants and maybe larger, more established ones with investors, backers. Is there any sort of tension there or are things at a point right now where you feel like, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and, and you know, it's not too complicated to kind of advocate for everyone? I'm, I'm curious of, of your perspective. I don't think there's like, I, I, I don't think there's rivalry per se, right? Um, I think that there is an overall need for grant money. Because that's what's going to help us all survive. Um, the reality of things is without businesses like ours, the small little shops that are immigrant owned, larger establishments wouldn't get that inspiration to say, hey, I want to do this, but fancier, fusion, you know, elegantly or something else. And that really is a reality. Because if you go to any fancy restaurant, you're going to see something inspired by a culture. It's as easy as that. Um, so I think what I, what, you know, Tony said it really well, and thank you for that advocate, because I am advocating. I'm not, you know, culinary trained. Um, I went to school for journalism. I'm not a person that um, had a dream of having a restaurant. You know, my mom herself is a lawyer, but she came here, and one of the businesses that the majority of immigrants first opened to be able to work when they can't get an office job is food, um, because 
at least, you know, they're creating something that sells and they're also having food on the table for their families. So it serves two purposes. Um, so I don't think that there's a rivalry per se. I think that there has to be an acknowledgement. Um, and that's why we ourselves in the restaurant are big advocates and always saying we serve authentic Mexican food, authentic, traditional, homemade Mexican food. And that's our claim to fame. If we don't eat it in Mexico, we're not going to sell it to you. It's that easy. So in this situation, the reason why I wanted to get involved is because I know my people, my black and brown people, need that representation. And they are so in the hole of trying to survive that they don't even have the time to do this, right? To speak out, to say, we need money. We need help with taxes. We need help with rent. But having that connection with someone like Tony, like those big chefs in the MRU who acknowledge and do respect that their inspiration comes from those smaller cultural restaurants is immeasurable because together we're working for that. There have been other movements that are focused only on those larger establishments or on the larger we need to open because we just got to open and that's not the way to go about it. We need to be diplomatic and logical about this because this is an uphill battle that's going to take time. Right. And it's such a complicated issue. Mm -hmm. And I think for people outside of the restaurant industry who want to help, uh, I, I would love to know some of, and this is really a question for both of you, so I hope you can both kind of jump in. Um, you know, what are the specific asks? And sure. what am I, what am I, and so that people know, you know, what exactly are you pushing for legislatively? Like, is this something that, you know, if someone's seeing this, like, can they get behind it? How do they get behind it? Mm -hmm. Tell us what the asks are at this point. Well, sure. So, I want to answer that, but just real quick, I think one of the things that, so people understand why these asks are so important, is that, you know, one of the things that we've also been trying to do is shed a little light on what the industry really looks like from the inside out. In other words, you know, I think a lot of people feel that, you know, restaurants are these really simple operations and it's a it's very easy, ca you know, cash business, uh, cash transaction. You walk in, you give us money, we give you food, and that's it. The reality is that it's one of the most complicated businesses that operates with next to no margins. And, you know, the amount, and I'm not saying that in any woe is me, I'm saying that one of the no, things that makes reality. it, yeah, it's reality. <laughs> and one of the things that, you know, the, the, the web of different industries that work with and for or rely on restaurants is immense. So one of the reasons why we're sitting here as an industry saying, hey, look at us, don't forget about us, is not just because of the restaurants that we own, but let's just, you know, in no particular order of importance, because they're all important, the employees, you know, all the staff who come from all over, and you can think of the demographics, the multiple myriad demographics that are attracted to working in restaurants and the reasons why. Then you can think about the vendors that we work with, you know, all the food, all the farms, all the liquor. All the, all, that, that's the obvious part of who we work with. But then there are multiple, multiple levels and tiers beyond that. Insurance companies, waste removal. So many different industries work with and rely on restaurants, including, by the way, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, because we pay amazing amounts of taxes in many different ways, including the mass meals tax. So... This isn't just about saving this business, but we also see this as an opportunity. The best way to put it is that in terms of economic recovery, our communities 
our population, the state of Massachusetts, needs restaurants because everyone needs to eat. And the faster that we can flip the switch back on for restaurants, so many different industries will be helped. So many different populations of people will be helped. That that is a surefire way for economic recovery. So I'm not sitting here thinking about the future of Craigie on Main specifically at all. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the state. We're thinking about sure the moms and pops because of the jobs, absolutely part of it. But all the jobs that are also going to be available to people because of restaurants continuing to exist. And if that if we don't get the help that we're asking for, it, it's not going to be just one layer. It's going to be many many layers that are going to be devastated. By the situation, so specifically, what we're asking for right now, and obviously this keeps on evolving because it keeps on evolving. Um, but you know, on a state level, we're looking for a restaurant-specific bill um, that I have inside knowledge that is not just being strongly considered, but that there are I's being dotted and T's being crossed for something that's going to be proposed. That's going to be pretty fantastic. We're looking on. I know we just extended the uh, moratorium on uh, evictions for commercial and residential, but we need that extended beyond October.、Um, we're looking for a cap on delivery fees. If you think about the fact that pretty much every food service operation, all the restaurants right now are doing, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the actual figure is, but I can tell you from people I've spoken to, it's about thirty percent of their normal sales. If we're then paying thirty percent. To the caviar's and Uber Eats of the world, you, like we're already not making anything, and now we're giving that away. So we need caps on that. We rely on them absolutely to help distribute the food because we don't have people in our dining rooms.、Um, but there has to be a cap. There has to be something that works for both sides,、um, and that is super, super important. And then one of the things we're also、um, this is going to be a longer battle, but in terms of the insurance companies, you know, no one was. By in their minds, no one was covered for this, and here we are paying all the money to insurance companies for something just like this, and now we're not getting anything back. So, you know, the way a democracy works, and this sounds very unsexy, and I know it means that people have to work to help us out. As a, you know, it's not as easy as just writing a check. We would love that, but we actually have to call our representatives. We actually have to call our senators. We have to do the work because the way that this is going to get done is the people. Um, you know, on Capitol Hill and the people on Beacon Hill need to understand that the communities think that this is really important, and that's how we move the needle. So that's what we need people do. That's that's the action step. Bessie, did you want to add anything to to that?、Um, no, I think that you know the main goal, like Tony said, is getting us help. But at least I can say we because I feel like I share the sentiment with the rest of of our board. We don't want to just be, you know, an organization that helps through COVID. You know, our goal is to continue that advocacy because even after COVID, we're still going to need help to rebuild, right? And that's part of our mission: rebuild.、Um, and that includes what Tony mentioned: our employees, our communities, our jobs,、um, our state. A lot of our fellow friends and businesses have already closed. What are they going to do with their lives? We don't know. So that is a scary thought.、Um, we were on a call yesterday with one of our,、um, you know, state representatives talking about this with a fellow restaurateur from Nantucket, and she broke down to tears in the phone explaining, you know, 
one of our restaurants has been in business for almost 30 years and we've had to close because we just can't keep it open. And that's heartbreaking. You know, these are families of, of years of business that is through food. And, and this really is a labor of love, as cheesy as that sounds, because we don't do this to get rich. We do this because we like it. And I say we because I'm doing it with my mom, right? Um, but yeah, I think that the education aspect and the advocacy aspect is what we're really pushing for, because people really have to understand, yeah, in America, the customer is always right. But right now, the customer needs to help if they want to be right in our restaurants. Yeah. We, you know, we've been here. We've been here for our communities. Restaurants are, have always been here. We're the place where people come to celebrate their anniversaries and birthdays, mm-hmm. um, and we're the place where people come to bring family together, even to mourn. You know, and now what we're really asking is for our communities to be there for us, because the alternative is going to be, and this is not an exaggeration, but the alternative is, you know, imagine walking down your main street and all of those, you know, not just restaurants, but all of the small businesses. But, you know, your favorite cafe, your favorite taqueria, your favorite sub shop, and the Craigian Mains and the Portos and the Little Donkeys, they're all gone. They're all gone. And what's going to be in their place will be chains. And that's going to be, that's the business that is going to be able to afford out. Yeah. to make it through this. And, and I'm not saying that chains don't have their place. That's a whole separate conversation. But is that what you, you know, but you, you need your community. Small businesses is what the economy of, United States of America is built on. I saw a really interesting um, example of that right in Boston. So I was on a walk recently with my son, and I walked into Harvard Square. Uh, And I live in Union Square, Somerville. I've lived there for for 13 or 14 years. And there it's like, you know, patios made out of pallets and everybody figuring it out. And you go to Harvard Square and all that's left are chains. So there was... The only people there, um, you know, the, the homeless population is really suffering there. Um, and that was pretty much it. There was a couple chain restaurants with their lights on and a lot of homeless people. And there was no one figuring it out. And it, it, it just was such a stark contrast to me between living in this community where people care and it's small businesses and they're just like pivoting and they're just making it work. And, you know, when, when stuff hits the fan, if, if you don't have that, you know, that's, that's not a place that you're, anyone is going to want to live. There's no individuality. There's no personality. Well, there's, yeah. there's a lot of reasons for that, too. Because, you know, look, one of, the, one of the things that we're also pushing for, we're, we're do, we need to do a dance with our landlords. You know, there's no, there's no one blanket. Yeah, there's no one blanket landlord. So what we've come up with is a proposal that gives a tax break to landlords because, you know, some landlords are humongous companies. You know, MIT owns, you know, a huge chunk of the land that's right around Kariya, Maine. Um, Alexandria, you know, some of these huge companies. And, but there's still some mom-and-pop landlords. So some of them have funding, some rely on the rent check, you know, as their source of income. So there's not one blanket way to approach this, but we, we felt a creative way to solve this would be to, for the state to give a tax break to the landlords. Therefore, they are more willing and able to work with their tenants. I'm happy you brought that up because that's something that's come up too because, you know, you have people that they also are, they have to pay their bills. You know, that's not, it's not quite that simple. Um, Bessie, I want to go back to one other thing and this definitely um, applies to your restaurant, Tony. I know because it applies to all, but specifically because you've been talking about, um, you know, representing the immigrant uh, community. You know, what ma- anyone who's worked in restaurants knows that uh, they ca- they can't work without immigrants and I've heard so many stories of um, staff members that, 
either don't qualify for unemployment or some of them who even do but are too afraid to collect benefits. Um, and that's just such a heartbreaking, you know, devastating thing. And I'm, I'm curious how you've kind of navigated that and if there's anything um, maybe specifically related to that in the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, that is a, a very realistic question. And I can tell you it is something that we have also as a board spoken about. Um, obviously, it's a huge topic and issue that right now we can't undertake alone. Obviously, that's a lot of work in the future as well and a reality that we need to face. But I mean, at least for us, we immediately knew that we couldn't sustain our, our full employee uh, team um, with 80% of our sales gone from one day to the next because we're in the financial district, right? So we we put it out there. We put it on our website right away, like adopt an employee, help us pay their wages. Um, and we individually made a little profile for each of them, a one sentence bio, so that people understood who is here needing help. Um, and we have been taking donations. I, I had, you know, a friend from college drop down cards written to each of them because she saw it on the website with like a hundred or $150 for each of them. You know, it's little by little that we've been trying to put it out there in people's faces so that they understand, like, it's not just us, right? It's them. They need to survive. How are we going to do that? And, you know, what Tony was explaining, just with the example of, of the rent proposal that we have, we are suggesting feasible solutions. We're not just handing, you know, please give me money, please help me for nothing at all, right? We are actually working with the system and suggesting solutions. So us staying open is going to ensure that our people stay employed because you hit it on the nail. They're too afraid. Even if they're here legally or they obtained their residency papers or they became citizens, they know that they are always the underdog, and so we need to stand up for them. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time, guys. Is there anything else that you want people to know? You know, how can we keep tabs on the latest developments? Um, so, yeah, just, just real fast. You know, I, I think I just want to reiterate, like, we're, we are up against it. We're, we're basically out of time. You know, this isn't one of those things that we're going to have. It's a long haul of the way this disease is going to go and the way the economy is going to go. We get that. But all the restaurants, those that didn't get the PPP, you're, getting, you're seeing the doors close. Those that did get the PPP, they're running out of that money right now. So it's, it's not a, this can't be a wait and see type of thing. We need to be proactive. We're not afraid to say this. We need people's help. And uh, we need it now. And I wish, I wish times were different in so many different ways. Um, but this industry is asking for everybody's help. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys. We're running out of time, but I really appreciate it. Uh, we will send people to your website. Uh, what is the website one more time, just so people know where to go? MassRestaurantsUnited.com. And we're on social media. Awesome. And we'll put it in the show notes. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, and can't wait to come eat your food. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Hi, guys. I wanted to tell you about a really great personal care brand that we love called Curie. They've always had a deodorant that's aluminum-free that works really well that we adore, but they recently released a hand sanitizer that is super moisturizing and smells delicious. There's different scents like grapefruit or orange neroli or white tea. Uh, You have to check them out. So if you click a link in our show notes, you will get 20% off your order, or you can go to their website, curiebod.com. That's C-U-R. R-I-E-B-O-D.com and use the code TFL20 at checkout.